Good morning, church. He will work it out. He's going to work it out. And he's going to speak to us this morning as he has during this series. Uh, so we've been talking about the God who still speaks. I'm, uh, I'm graduating this morning from that, from that chair to a stool. All right? It's small steps. Small steps. I'd like to stand up a little bit today. Um, we've been talking a lot about becoming a praying church. It's been so beautiful to see us uh, step into that initiative this year. Um, you have been prayed for. Part of that is uh, we do these things called PFCs. That's PFC. Somebody asked me this morning about a KFC. That's something different. All right. PFCs are prayer and, prayer and fasting cells. Um, so those are a month commitment where you just pray for a group of people. And so the calendar turned this past week. So we, um, we started some new prayer and fasting cells. I reached out to some people about that. Um, and people were already taken. They're like, sorry, I'm already in one. It's like, oh, it's getting competitive, all right, which is a beautiful thing, a beautiful sign. Something else we're doing as a church that I want to tell you about today. We're talking about a reading plan, a few guys that I meet with. It's like, let's open this up to the whole church. So it's time to start talking about Easter, y'all. Believe that? Easter is a big deal. We are praying that there's somebody in your life that today, today, this Sunday morning, the furthest thing from their mind is to come to a church. It's the last thing they ever thought of and that God's going to use you to get them here on April 9th, Easter Sunday at Relentless. Um, so we want to kind of get our minds focused on Jesus as a church. And the way we're going to do that is through this reading plan. So out in the lobby, there's these bookmarks. They're also on our website. You can download your own. But it's a, it's a reading plan that starts today and it's going to take us all the way to Easter Sunday. And it's, um, some of you might think it's repetitive. As a church for untold and unconvinced, um, we... Uh, we love people that this is all new to, right? Some of the people that we're asking you to really pray about in your life. Uh, there was a guy one time who started reading scripture for the first time. He ran Matthew, he read Mark, Luke, and John, as somebody had suggested, and he came back to the pastor and he's like, dies every single time, man. It's the same thing, right? He didn't know, right? So we're going to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not the whole books. We're just going to read the, that last piece of Jesus' life. So some days it's just a few verses. Some days it's 20-some verses. It's easy. But uh, by the time we get to Easter Sunday, we'll we have read Matthew's account, all four perspectives of Jesus last week, his, what he did right before his arrest, uh, trial, death, and then every time, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he raises every time, praise God. So if we'll all get into this together, by the time we get to Easter Sunday, we're going to be immersed heart and mind as a church in the life and the end of life and the resurrection of Jesus. So you in on that? I like to hold a Bible. I don't like to read my Bible on an app. That's fine. I'm not mad if you do, but I like to have a bookmark, stick it in there. I can't forget where I'm going. So that starts today. If you're in on that, get a bookmark. It's on the What's Happening page, or there's a ton of these out in the lobby for you today. I'll remind you at the end of the, of the service. You, um, if you've been with us, maybe the last, I don't know, really since we did that prayer and worship night on that Thursday night, have you felt a little something-something as we worship? You felt the Spirit of God moving in our church in a, in a new and fresh way. Not that it didn't move before, but it's just been, it's been something happening in these last... Have you felt that? Am I, am I by myself? Um, how do you know, right? Is that crazy talk to some of you? What are you talking about, feeling the Spirit? How do you know? How do you know when you feel it? Same way you know that the wind's blowing. You can't see it, but you feel it, right? And you see the effects of it. Today we're talking about in this series... Not what you feel on Sunday morning in worship, 
But what about Monday through Saturday in your life, in, in your work life, in your real life? Do you, do you feel and hear God speak? Is it a feeling? What is that? And here's the question of the day. How do you know what's from you and what is from God? Right? When you feel something, how do you, how do you know if that's uh, something that you ate the night before? <laughs> Indigestion. How do, you know, how do you know if it's God speaking to you or if it's your own mind playing tricks on you? Right? So we need to, if we're going to talk about God speaking to us, we need to figure out what's from us and what's from God. So let's recap this series of where we've been. So first week, we just talked about what kind of dad doesn't talk to his kids. No good dad. A dad speaks to his kids. A father that wants to speak to us, not just speak to some of us or the special, but that God wants to walk with his children. And Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Right? And he's going to talk and speak into your life. And our part is to be expecting and have the faith that God still wants to speak to us right now in this season of our individual lives. That was week one. Week two, I introduced you to this uh, acronym. Right, this is how does God speak? And notice Raph last week when he preached, he didn't, go, he didn't say, he just said S-S-P-C. Right? I was really disappointed in that. Um, but it's, this is how God speaks through two S's, two, through the scripture, through spirit, through people, and through circumstances. So that was week two. Last week, Raph did a great job talking about how we got to turn the noise off. He had me driving in my car this week with no podcast, no music, right? Just talked about the value of silence to, to drown out the noise so we can actually hear from God. So today we want to figure out how do we know when we feel like something's happening, how do we know what's God and what's us? We don't want to confuse those, right? If I think, if I think God's speaking to me and it's actually me, that's, that's, that's a problem, right? And if I think, if think something's from me and it's actually from God, that's a problem. So how do you differentiate? this is real. We believe God's going to speak to your life, young and old, new to this, all of you, right? It's popular. We got to train ourselves to hear his voice. It's popular today, right? To say, uh, listen to your heart, right? I think there's even some songs back in the day. Listen to your heart. I won't sing. Um, but that's, that's a popular thing, right? Go with, go with your heart. Follow your heart. That's really, well, what's wrong with that, right? Is there anything wrong with that? Well, there's a scripture that might point to some wrong with that. Um, God's dealing with Jeremiah, and God gave him this in Jeremiah 17. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That's brutal, right? Is your heart desperately sick? Is it deceitful? Our hearts have the ability to deceive ourselves, and our brains... Our hearts can deceive ourselves and our brains can justify that deception. We're really good at that. Yet there is good news as a gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement. The good news of the gospel, we've been rescued and adopted. And when you're rescued and adopted and you come to make a decision to belong to Jesus and put your faith in Jesus, you're made new. So the deceptive heart that Jeremiah is talking about, you get a new heart, right? You get a new mind. You become a completely new creation, a new species, Right? So you don't have that deceitful heart dominating you anymore. You're, you've got a new heart, a new spirit. You're living, Raph talked about last week, living in step with the spirit. When you live in step with the spirit, it actually says you have the mind of Christ. Right? So we, we have a heart that is new and from God. Now, we're still in battle, though. We still have to battle that old deceptive heart. We're still able to be deceived by our own heart. So God would say, trust him right, and go with him. We want to go with God, not go with our gut. All right, we want to go with God, not go with our gut, because our gut and our heart can deceive us. 
And then we got a, a verse like this that's center for us this morning. Psalm 37, 4. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Wait, wait a second. My heart is sick and God wants to give me the desires of my sick heart. Does that make sense? Right, is that contradictory? No, it's not because the key part is delight yourself in the Lord and then as a result, right? What, what does it mean to delight in the Lord? Right, this is that we just sang it, to, to make him the king of your heart. Is that hard for you to sing? God, you're the king of my heart. Like you're the master of my heart. My heart is yours. I delight in you. You're the, you're the best thing in my life, right? That's how good he is. Do you delight in the Lord? Is that part of your day-to-day, week-to-week? We come here to worship because we're delighting in how good he's real. He knows your name. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're struggling. He loves you. He's proved it through Jesus. And we can delight in that love. We can delight in this relationship that he offers to us, that he wants to rescue and adopt and change us forever and walk with us and then be with us forever in eternity. We delight in who he is and who he says we are. Um, the, the verse that, I had a sabbatical last summer, the verse that just was kind of the most important verse in all that time to me was Psalm 42.1 and 2. As the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Right, that's thirsting for God. I just want more. That's delighting in the Lord. And there's a promise back to Psalm 37. As you delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Some people, now that's an easy, you know, preachers can mess stuff up. You know that? That's an easy one to mess up. That's, I can stand up here and say, hey, God will give you whatever you want. It says it right there. That's not what that means. All right, it's as we delight ourselves in the Lord, as we prioritize, man, the best thing in my life, is the God who made me and knows me that I get to walk with. The best thing in my life is my relationship with God through Jesus. I delight in who he is again today, that he's always working it out, that he's always there, he's always with me. He's always got his eyes on me, even when I feel lost, like Raph's example. Right, as I delight in him, here's what this is talking about. As I delight in him, the reality is he changes your heart to align with his. Right? He's a God of transformation. We always talk about transformation over transaction. Right? This can be a transactional verse if you try to make it that, hey, I just got to delight in the Lord. What do I got to do? I got to go to church, whatever, and he'll give me what I want. That's not that. It's not transaction. It's transformation. As you delight in the Lord, he changes your heart, and he changes your heart to be aligned with his heart. And then he's, he loves to give you the desires of his heart, so he makes your heart line up with his heart. Let me let me give you an example of this as we talk about how God speaks. And a lot of you are trying to make big decisions um, and you're wanting God to speak to you. All right. I started dating uh, my lovely wife who was just up here a second ago, uh, November 4th, 1991. Good night. We went to a movie and I asked her, hey, you, will you be my girl? It was an awful movie, but it was a wonderful day. And shockingly, she said yes. So we dated from 1991 to 1996. And then we're engaged in 96 and married in 97. So this year, summer, we'll celebrate 26 years of marriage. Amen. Only the grace of God. And from the day I started dating her, I knew, you know, she, we were teenagers. I knew the desire of her heart, if we can put Psalm 37, 4, the desire of her heart was to be a mother right? And we weren't talking about being parents as teenagers, but that was like, she, I just knew like she loved motherhood. God made her to be a mom. She wanted to be a mom. So we got married in 1997. Um, and it was great. Right. And don't, don't hate on me about this. Our two year anniversary. What is it? What is a, what does a young husband do? If you want to bless your bride, 
we celebrate. I was like, we're going somewhere. I'm taking you to St. Louis. What? What? And it's not romantic? Like it, was a, it, was a, it was a drive, and we were like, we're going to St. Louis, man. We're living it up. We didn't know any better. We had a blast. We had a blast in St. Louis. We ate good. Part of that anniversary trip was planning our life out. We had a little like, life plan, like, okay, let's, let's talk about these kids. You know, it's been a great two years. Let's have some kids, all right? How many? We don't know, but let's, let's, do, let's get going. We're ready, all right? And I thought, let's have our first kid in 2000, because then I'll, it'll be so easy to remember how old they are right? Because every year, some of y'all did that. That's brilliant. So I was like, that's, that, was, that was the plan. So without getting too, uh, we're keeping it clean in here, you know, we started to, to do the things you do to have babies, right? We knew, we, knew that we knew the drill. We thought a lot of our friends and like people around us, it seemed really easy for them. You know, they, you do what you do and you get pregnant nine months later, your parents, it's a beautiful thing. It wasn't happening for us. So after Weeks led to months and months led to years. We had to go see a doctor and I didn't even know this word, infertility. I didn't know that it wasn't just simple for everybody. So we ended up being a couple that uh, could not get pregnant. It led to some tests and some surgeries and eventually a doctor looked at us and said, yeah, because of some issues um, uh, with tubes and whatnot, endometriosis, like it's, it's, you're just not gonna get pregnant naturally. It's not gonna happen. And I'm like, I wasn't, and that, on that day, I wasn't singing, Our, my God will never let me down. It's like, this woman was made to be a mom, and now a doctor's telling us that we can't, like, what, what in the world are you doing? Um, but then we learned about a, a, a procedure uh, called IVF, in vitro fertilization, that cost $3 million. No, uh, it felt like that at the time. We started investigating this, and it's, I won't get into, I won't give you a science lesson of how that works, but it's a way for people in our situation to be pregnant um, and, and anyway, so we made that uh, a financial commitment of, of felt like everything we had to like, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this because it's the desire of our heart. Um, so we, we did that um, probably 2001-ish. We had our first IVF. And the day, I can remember it like yesterday, the day we found out that it, it was not successful, it didn't work, it didn't take, we weren't pregnant. It's devastating. My wife was devastated and I was devastated because I didn't know as a young husband how to really support and love her in her devastation. And I'm just looking to God of like, we're not asking for like a mansion here. We're, not at, we're just asking to, to be what you've put in her heart and our heart. We just want to be parents. We're going to be good godly parents. Like this shouldn't be so difficult. It seemed, we, and then some of you have been through infertility, you know, every time you're on like a public place, you see some parents like acting like their kids are such a nuisance and they don't want their kids. It's like, we'll take them. Like, you know, it's so easy for these people. Why, what's so hard? What, what's going on? God, where are you at? So we prayed through that and we had an opportunity to do a second IVF. So another attempt, and it was a year and a half maybe between um, attempts to be pregnant. Um, through this procedure, IVF. So the second time we tried, and again, you get the news, it's just a brutal process to find out. Unsuccessful, we're still not pregnant. The embryos that we, like they were, they, you know, it was like, now what? And I'm telling you, between the first and the second IVF, adoption came on our radar. But it wasn't like we, I didn't grow up dreaming of adopting. I didn't know much about adoption. Right, so I just didn't, it wasn't really on my radar between, until first and second. We started like looking into it a little bit, thinking, what if, I don't know. And I'm telling you, 
when we found out the devastation that the second IVF had failed, God did something in our hearts. He changed us. We've just been pouring out to him. We don't understand this, but we're still trying to trust you. What does trust look like right now when you're, you're not just not answering our prayers, you're answering our prayers with a no when we're begging for a yes. After the second failed IVF procedure, um, God, God began to help us see adoption not as a second option, but he, he started to help us see adoption as a calling. Like he did something in us where adoption started to be something we were called to and we were excited about. And it wasn't like a second, a plan B or a second option. It was like, we want to do this. We got to do this as we looked into it. Are you kidding me? There's babies out there that, that need homes and we're a couple that wants a baby. Like, cause the, the, the desire of our hearts was never to be pregnant, right? Pregnancy is hard. The desire of our hearts was to be parents. Like we can be parents without the nine months and the morning sickness and the belly and all that stuff and the, the, and the birth, like, it's, like there's a way to do that. Okay, let's go, all right? So then we signed up with an adoption um, agency and started to go through that process, which was also $3 million. It's crazy how everything costs $3 million. Um, and, and these slides that, that are moving today, they're moving by the hands of Jackson Jones, who was the answer to that prayer who we adopted in September of 2004. He was born September 13th. We got to meet him on September 14th and 18 years later, he's an amazing young man, All right? Amen. And if you know him, you know what a gift of God he, he is, which then led us to, to adopt our daughter Mia as well. And then God shocked the world with a pregnancy a few years later. It's a whole nother story. But here's, here's what happened, Psalm 37, four. As we learn to delight in the Lord, he gave us the desires of our heart in a way that's completely different than we thought. Let me tell you, church, this is stand-up worthy. He's amazing at this. He's amazing at giving you what you didn't know you wanted. He's amazing at giving you better than your plan. He really does know information you don't know. This was so hard for some of us in life and work, right? In the pandemic, we were asked to make decisions as pastors without the information we needed to make good decisions. God never is in that situation. He knows everything. He knows the ins and outs. His ways are above our ways, and he is so good. How arrogant, y'all. How arrogant for me to come to God in that season. Because my plan isn't working, you must be sleeping. That was my heart. How arrogant, because what I want to happen and have asked for isn't happening, you must be sleeping on me. Right? How arrogant is that? And his plan was perfect. And I'm telling you, there was no deflation in us whatsoever. Okay, I guess what, there was nothing but excitement. We were called to it and, and we, we were so blessed and wouldn't trade our story. Like if you could go back and we could have gotten pregnant, like most people get pregnant, we wouldn't take it because that wouldn't have led us to where we went to Jackson and Mia. We wouldn't trade any of that. He's really good, right? And I thought, I thought I need Jesus and I need the desires of my heart. I want both. I want Jesus and I want the desires of my heart. And he's taught me, I just need Jesus. The desires of my heart, he's gonna transform those to match up with his and he's gonna give me what I need when I need it. No less, no more. The, the question is, do I trust his plan when it's nothing like my plan? Here's what's crazy about standing up here in front of you and looking at the entire room. I have no idea what your plan is. I just know that you may be in a season where his plan is not gonna line up perfectly with your plan. Maybe it does, but sometimes it doesn't. 
Faith is trusting his plan when it's very different than the plan that I have for my life, for my family, for my career, whatever that might be. God is incentivized to be clear. He speaks. He's incentivized. He's good. He's a father. He's incentivized to speak clearly to us, right? We just got to want his plan over ours. Here's a verse that people tattoo on their bodies. It's a beautiful verse. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, man, that's a tough word, all. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. In all your ways, acknowledge. What does that mean? Right, acknowledge um, is translated in some translations as submit. In all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, acknowledge him, submit to him. It's an invitation. God, I'm inviting you to lead my life in this area. In all your ways, in all your comings and goings, doings and decisions, I invite you, I'm acknowledging you, I'm asking you to lead my life. I'm trusting you with all of my heart and I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm gonna lean into you and he makes this beautiful promise. If we live that life, he makes straight paths. What's that? Right? It's a blessing of God. He makes your, your path straight instead of crooked. doesn't mean it's easy, right? but he goes before you and he's with you and he blesses you. You want straight paths. That's the life we want. We want to live the straight path life. How, what's the path to straight paths of God going before you and blessing? It's trusting him with all your heart, not leaning on your own understanding and, and choosing to acknowledge him in all of your ways. It's a beautiful promise. Let me... Let me, let me let me tell a story to help us understand what this might look like in your life. It's a simple story. My dad died in 2012. My mom died in 2016. When she died, me and my brother uh, had to you know, take care of their stuff and end up selling their house. And when we sold their house, um, we got a good chunk of change from that transaction, me and my brother. So I had money that I was not used to having. Right? My whole life, um, I'd never bought a new car uh, we were raised and they're like, that's not a smart financial decision, right? Because they depreciate as soon as you drive them off a lot. So get a used car, not a new car. That's how I was raised. And for, for the first time, I had the thought, 2016, I'm going to buy myself a new car. So I've never, you know, whatever, however old I was then, never had a new car in my life. Here's my thought. My mom would want me to have a new car, right? My mom in heaven with Jesus would want me to have a new car. That's what I was thinking, right? Now, what I could have done is bought a, uh, you know, it's 2016. I could have bought a 2013 or 14 car and then taken the rest and, and given it to Relentless Church. Like that's been our habit. I, I, I want to echo what Raph said. We are becoming, as we become a more praying church, we're becoming a more generous church. It's so beautiful to see the online giving. Um, and I've had the habit because I believe in what God's doing here from the very first day that we opened an account. When we have, when we're blessed, I'm happy and excited to give to Relentless Church from personally from the Jones money. So that's what we do. So I could have bought a used car and then taken the extra and given it to Relentless, right? Could have, but I didn't. I found this black beauty, this 2016 Honda Civic. And if you know what I drive, you know what I did. I bought that car just like mom would have wanted me to. And it smelled so good. And it, 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 was, it was amazing. Some of you, I know you, I was looking at your faces and you're so, like, I know, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, God wanted you to have that car. Buy that car, right? Your mom just died. Mom wants to have that car. God wants you to have that car. How would you possibly know that? Have you consulted and prayed with God? Do you know what God wanted for me in 2016? You have no idea if God wanted me to have that car. And guess what? Neither did I. 
because I didn't, I didn't live this verse out, right? I might've prayed, I'm sure I prayed as I'm, as I'm online finding the car, I'm sure I prayed, God help me in this, something. God, basically here's the prayer, I would never say it this way. You, come on, be real with you, this isn't about cars. I, my prayer was, God would you please bless what I've already decided to do. I'm getting this car and I would like to put your name on it because I know enough to feel better about that. All right, that is the opposite of what this verse is, is talking about. Back to Proverbs 3. Um, acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. Um, and he'll make your straight your path. Now, if this was a preacher story, then it would be, I bought the car anyway, and it was a lemon, and it was awful, and it fell apart. That's not, I still, I drove it today. I love it. It's been a great car. It's been a great car. Hopefully, it'll continue to be a great car for years to come. So I don't, I don't stand up here condemned before you because I made, I bought a new car. Um, absolutely not. There is no condemnation, right? He could have said, God could have said, buy the car. I just didn't acknowledge him. I didn't, I didn't come to him in submission in that decision, which was a major financial decision. I went with my gut, right? Do we go with our gut or do we go with God? It's fine to go with your gut. The question is, is your gut surrendered to God? Right? Is your gut surrendered to God? Not that my gut wasn't surrendered to God. I'm not even up here saying I sinned when I bought that car. What I'm saying is I didn't live out this verse. It's not that buying a new car is sinful. If you just bought a new car, I'm not here to make you feel bad. The point is, this is an illustration of what it looks like to not acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. All means all. There's a, there's a couple, if we go back to the verse, there's a couple alls in that verse, right? This it's trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, which is what I was doing. In all your ways, acknowledge him. There is no big or little decision that you don't want to acknowledge God in. Because when you acknowledge God in all your ways, he makes your path straight. That's the point. Some of you, when I talk about finances and cars, like I lose you for 10 minutes because you start thinking about, oh, I, I need a new car and what, I wonder how, you know, what this and that. Don't worry about any of that, right? The point is to acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways. I surrender and submit to you in all my ways. That's what you want, right? What, what did I miss out? I, I missed out. I don't know. Maybe he had a better car. Maybe there was a better way to go. I'll never know, right? It's a desire just to want to hear from him and for him to make our path straight no matter what. So let's, let's, let's get off of cars because honestly in our church as we prayed through this series and what is God speaking the number one prayer request and the number one thing that's come up in people's lives is job stuff you know what is God right and some of you may be even saying I think I think God's telling me to quit my job right okay let's talk through that right because there's a lot of things that go with that there's a lot of variables right we don't I'm not trying to lead a church of 90% unemployed right Everybody can't quit at the same time. You might want to have something lined up, but there's a lot of variables, right? Did God call you to that job? Did he open doors to get you that job? Can God call you to a job in one year and then call you away from that job in, a, in another year? Absolutely. He does that. Well, how are you going to know, right? There's so many factors when you're talking about changing jobs, right? There's, there's the stress level, right? There's how you're being treated, there's the, the you know, dignity and value as an image bearer of God. Some of you are in situations where you're not being treated well. How long are you willing to put up with that? There's the anxiety that's taken years off some of your life because of the job that you're doing, right? What is that worth, right? It's, it's, 
It's having margin and time to do the things that God created you to do and purpose that are outside of work and to serve his church and to love people and to be with your family. There's all those things. And then there's the paycheck. How often do we see all of these get shoved over there because I got to have the paycheck? We're willing to lower our life expectancy, be worse parents and do all this and be stressed and anxious so we can get the money. Sometimes, right? So maybe God is calling you to quit your job. I have no idea. But in, in working through that, right, we've got to go back to Proverbs 3. We've got to trust him that he's got a plan for your job, that he cares about your job. I think he cares what I do with my money and what kind of car I drive. I think he cares. Not what kind of car I drive, but he cares about my stewardship of what he's given me. So we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Jobs, don't lean on your own understanding or your own heart. In everything, surrender, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. He'll speak to you, and he'll bless you if you do that. Here's the problem, though. Some of you that are working through job stuff, you just want an answer. You just want, like God right now in this service, you want him to tell you, hey, just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. You just want the answer, and that can be really frustrating, right? Here's what I've noticed. God is most interested in the process while we're most interested in the outcome. That's harsh, right? We're most interested, like whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're wanting God to speak to you about, maybe it's job, maybe it's not. Just give me the answer, right? God is not just gonna give you the answer usually. He's not about that. What are we? We're relationship over religion. He's not about just giving you the answer. It's not, a, it's not like that. It's not transactional. It's not religion. Just, hey, I'll, God, tell me what to do. He wants to, be in the process. Now, eventually the process leads to an outcome, yes. But what do you, happens? When you're acknowledging him in all your ways, you're coming close to him, you're seeking him. As you're doing that, he's gonna come close and your faith is gonna grow. You're gonna sing these songs we sing a little, a little bolder, a little taller, because God will work it out, because I've seen him work it out. He wants to give you a story, and the story isn't about the outcome, the story is about the process, how God came close, how God was good, even when I wasn't getting what I was asking for, even when my desires of my heart did not match up with his, I learned to delight in him, because he's so real, he's a friend, he's close, he'll speak to my life. He wants to come close to you in the process. He will not shortchange the process just to get to the outcome. It's not a formula. Aren't you glad it's not a formula? Like, hey, if you do this and say this prayer and read your Bible and come to church, you do all this and God will do this. Like, he's a living, active. Nobody wants formula in our human relationships. Hey, if, I, if you meet me once a week and we'll have coffee, like, that's, that's, that doesn't feel very relational, right? He, he doesn't, he doesn't, he never, anytime we try to put God in a box, hey, he'll tell you, he'll tell you, he'll speak to you if you do blank, blank, blank. Like, God doesn't live in our boxes. He's going to speak the way he wants to speak and it's often going to surprise us. We know the ways he does speak. He speaks through scripture and through his spirit, through people and circumstances. But we don't want to box him in, right? We want to, as we get back to the question of the day, how do you know if it's you speaking or God speaking when you get a sense of something, right? You can ask some basic questions, right? Does this sound like God or does this sound like me, right? Because I could have said, hey, God told me to buy that car. Does that sound like God or does that sound like me? That sounds more like me. Right, is that a father? Does that sound like a father, heart of a father, or does that sound like flesh? All right, that, sound is, that sounds like me. And he'll be clear. It's on him to be clear. He doesn't want us going around putting his name on our stuff. So he'll be clear with you. And there's some freedom in this. There's not pressure in this. Some of us get locked up. Oh my goodness, I don't want to go. Like if he tells me to go left, I don't want to go right, right? 
You got you to have some freedom. Here's what gives me a ton of freedom. Paul messed this up. Who's Paul? Well, Paul wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. And he couldn't figure out what God wanted him to do. And it's on God to get us where we we're supposed to go. I've showed you this before. It's such an encouraging scripture to me. Paul uh, is planting churches, Acts 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia and having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Paul wanted to go to Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Paul wanted to go to Bithynia and Jesus wouldn't let him. So they passed by Mycenae and they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul's heart was pure. He, I just want to go preach in Bithynia. I wonder if these people need the gospel. And it took the entire Trinity. It took God. It took the spirit of Jesus. It took um, the Holy Spirit in a vision saying, you need to go to Macedonia. So even Paul, as, as close as he was to God, was trying to go somewhere that God did not want him to go. And it's on God. If your heart is pure, Paul's was, he just wanted to do the right. If your heart is pure, God will speak. He'll get you to the right job. He'll get you to the right place. He'll get you to the right decision through his Holy Spirit. So you can just rest in that. It's on him to speak, and he's really good at it. I mentioned a little bit of this at um, Christmas Eve service. Um, but I'm a little hesitant even to say these words just because of my upbringing. Like, we didn't talk like this necessarily, and I kind of put it in a bucket of weirdness. But I feel like God spoke to me. Right? And I know for some of you that's like, that's insane. Like, that scares me. Don't be scared. Right? Not out loud, speak to me, but I felt like God spoke to me. As many of you know, I had a stroke November uh, 15th. And um, those first few weeks were really hard. Everything I felt physically was fear. Is this another stroke? Is this a heart attack? Like what is happening in my body? And it was just a ton of anxiety and fear and it was overwhelming me physically and mentally. And I can remember, I don't remember the date. I should have marked it. Now, this is a few weeks into the process. I'm walking through my bathroom and I'm just worried about what is happening in my body. And I felt the strongest impression, so much so I remember putting my hand on the shower door because it stopped me in my tracks. And what I, what I felt in my soul was, I've already healed you, trust it. I've already healed you, trust it. Now, was that me making myself feel better? Or was that God? Again, I didn't hear a voice, but I heard those words in my soul, if that makes any sense to you. Right? So I started, what do we do when we're not sure? We run it through this filter. Right? Is that, is that scriptural? God saying that? Does that match up with scripture? Yeah. He'd already put Genesis 15.1 on me. Like, do not fear. I am your shield. That matches up. And the spirit, like that, it felt outside of me. It felt like, you know, is this something that, does that sound like God or does that sound like me? It didn't sound like me at all because I was scared. I was living in fear. I wasn't feeling healed. I did, right? When God speaks, it's often against your feelings. I wasn't feeling healed. So it sounded like, and is this, uh, you know, people, people that I walk with, you know, talking to my wife about this, what do you think? Like, she's like, that sounds like God, right? And then circumstances have confirmed some of that. Even in the hospital, um, some nurses saying, they said, we're gonna be there two weeks. We end up being there two days. And nurses saying, we, we expect you to have a full and complete recovery. Later, we were in a meeting and I asked the neurosurgeon, I was like, why would they say that? Like, I, I was not, I was still, I was, we didn't know anything that, you know, two days in, why would they say that in the hospital? And the doctor was, 
I don't know why they said that. Right? That is you know, kind of his, 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 his vibe was like that probably shouldn't have been said. Like it was too early to say that. Right? But scripture, spirit, people, circumstances, I sit here today believing that God put that on my heart, that he spoke to me, that he wanted me to know, I've done the miracle, I've healed you, and I need you to trust it. Sounds like him. I think it was him. Could I be wrong? I could. I could be wrong. I don't think I am. That was from God. I'm convinced. These months later, I'm convinced that he gave that to me as an encouragement. He wanted me to know and believe and walk in the truth that he's healed me and just to lean on him and trust it. Don't lean on what I own, my own understanding. Trust him with all my heart and to continue to acknowledge him in all my ways. And he is making my path straight. He is straightening this thing out. Now, I have a scan tomorrow. They want to check my artery every three months. That's what started all this was a dissected artery, carotid artery. So they scanned it in December and it looked great. It was healing, but not healed. They'll scan it again tomorrow and I'll get results midweek. I'll try to post something on my social media so y'all can know, or just come to church next week and I'll give you the report. But God's, God spoke, to, I feel like he spoke to me. I've healed you, trust it. So that means I walk into the scan tomorrow with no worry whatsoever, right? Wrong, right? I'm still human, right? I believe that was from God. I believe God of the universe said, I got you, I've healed you, trust it. And I'm trying to walk in that, but I still have issues, right? We still have our own brokenness and our own, right? So I'm believing that that's true, but that doesn't mean, you know, I'm gonna walk into that scan, you know, without any craziness in my, in my head, but I'm trusting God in it because he's spoken to me. And when he speaks to you, it's, it's everything. Like you hold on to it, you mark it, you mark it, you write it down, you hold it close, right? And you keep coming back to it. When God speaks to you, you keep coming back to the last thing you know he said, right? And it's changed everything. It takes me back to Proverbs 3. This is, this is the prayer for you today. I don't, I don't want it to be about cars or jobs or surgeries or, or scans. I want it to be about what you think God's speaking to you today. What is this? I think that he's going to put something on your heart today specific that you need to specifically what is he wanting you to trust him with all your heart not some of it and quit leaning on your own understanding what is part of your life that maybe you're leaning on what you think in all your ways submit and acknowledge invite him to lead everything and that's that's how we get the straight path life which i'm telling you church that's the life you want you want straight paths you don't want to live the life leaning on your own understanding how many of our how what percentage of our regrets come from leaning on our own understanding. I don't know about you, for me, it's 100% of my regrets come from leaning on my own understanding. I want that straight path life. And, and you want it too, right? Trusting him with all you got. Let me pray that for you. Father, it is uh, easier said than done, easier preached than done to trust you with all of our hearts. God, when something comes into our mind or heart, help us have the wisdom to differentiate what's from us and what's from you. God, there's so many times where I've taken something that's from me and tried to put, squeeze you into it. God, forgive us for that. Help us trust you fully, not lean on our own understanding, not be deceived by ourselves. And help us learn to submit and surrender to, and invite you to lead every corner of our lives. God, right now in this room, for those that follow you, would you highlight some, maybe some areas of life that were hesitant to acknowledge you completely? Would you just, by your spirit, highlight what that might be so we can uh, attack that with faith? God, for those in the room who are not surrendered to you, 
Would you, would you make it clear that you love them, that you've bought them with Jesus, that you've invited them into a relationship that will change everything, and there's never a better decision than to surrender themselves to you? God, just teach us through this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, before you go, let me remind you, we've got one more week of this series. It may be the most important week of the series um, next week as we finish up The God Who Still Speaks next week. A couple other things I want to remind you Maybe more than a couple. One is these reading plans. So the bookmarks are out here. That's, again, if you don't want to mess with the bookmark physically, you can get it off the website. It starts today. We're going to read a section of Jesus last week every day, and it's going to finish on Easter Sunday. It's going to change Easter for us. So go with us in this. Don't get behind. This isn't homework. We don't want you to be like, oh, no, I'm three days behind. We've designed it where if you get behind, you can catch up. There's no pressure. It's not stress. It's a joy to read about our Savior and what he did for us. So go with us in that. Um, Occasionally, there's events. You see some, if you're here, you see some of the stuff that, uh, that happens in this building that has nothing to do with the church. Um, so there's an event coming up. And every time there's an event, it's a lot of work on our worship director, Seth, uh, to clear this stage and to get everything put away. So we're trying to create a squad of people that will help him when that has to happen. So today is one of those days. Everything has to be cleared after the 11 o'clock service. If you're serving second service and are around, would you just find Seth? Uh, he'll be in the back and just say, hey, I want to be part of your crew. Maybe today or maybe next time we have to clear the stage that, so we can get a crew of people doing this. It doesn't all fall on one. Now, there's a way he wants it to be done, so you can't just start grabbing stuff. You've got to do it the way he wants. So, so help Seth out with that if, you, if you're willing. Last thing, I love it that we've started uh, as a group that have started to take communion regularly after service. It's always over here if you want it and need it. So instead of playing like crowd, uh, loud, crazy music like we have traditionally as you leave, we're going to start to tone it down a little bit. So just as a habit, if you want to take communion after the service, uh, it's right over there uh, waiting for you. All right, y'all good? Good? All right, we'll see y'all next week.